Welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. My name is Patrick Cullen, and welcome to another episode starring me and my wonderful co-host, well, me. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot get hold of Chris Barty or Alex Spinks for very good reasons today. Um, Chris Barty is touring around the world with the Pararoos, representing Australia in football, as he is prone to do. What a legend. And Alex Spinks is currently up on the north part of New South Wales fighting these horrific bushfires as part of being an RFS, a Rural Fire Service volunteer. Um, There's going to be a bit more about that and what the implications for all of that is towards the end of the show. So please stick around for that. Additionally, uh, our dear mate Michael the Stuck Wood um, is currently doing a show in Sydney. In fact, if you Google uh, NIDA, you can see him uh, doing a show there for the rest of the week, I think, if you're around in Sydney. So go and see the Stuck live on stage. Um, in good news, Heidi Cheadle is here and she's going to come in and we just had a chat before about all things women's cricket. And Adam Hassan has got a tape uh, in to talk about the Pakistan series just gone. Not only that, but I've pulled a bit of audio from a recent interview with a New Zealand coach. So that will act as our preview for the upcoming test series against them. That all being the case, let's jump in and hear from Heidi Cheadle with some Women's World about the WBBL finals. Heidi Cheadle for Women's World. She's back. How are you, mate? How are you tracking? I am back, man. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm really well, thanks, mate. Uh, how is it going with the captaincy hat on? Are you, uh, <laughs> are you doing okay for the mighty Gordon side? Oh, it's side? exhausting. Oh, my God, it's exhausting. I feel like I need some, like, Adderall or something to keep me going. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness me. Oh, but I'm hard. learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, and that's that's good. Have you got a W yet, mate? Um, oh, and six. Let's move on. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Mate, that is tough going. Well, listen, dude. I mean, at least you must have found some joy in the fact that the WBBL final was awesome. Um, and that, yeah, the heat the heat came through there, mate. They, they got yeah, another big least- W. Uh, someone's winning, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's nice to know that somebody out there is scoring a win, eh, Hart? <laughs> and I really like their new hats, the champion hats. Yeah. So, Heat, if you're listening, I live in Willoughby, send one my way. Heights, <laughs> I love your everlasting ability to just try and get free merch and rolls. <laughs> it's all about networking. It's, it's all, all about, about networking. networking. Mate. It's all about networking. <laughs> you're not wrong there. Um, pal, uh, I was really excited about the WBBL final because I was thinking Sophie Devine was going to come out and smash him because she's such a gun. And um, and she got rolled for five. And I was then I was like, well, what happens now? Um, but well, that's it. I mean, anything can happen in the final. We say this all the time. We do the say it all the time. The champions sometimes though. go down. Although I will say, you won Beth Mooney, absolute champion. Hadn't didn't waver from champion status this whole tournament. Mate, Spinksy has compared her to Maddie Hayden, and I think that's really apt. She is so powerful. Wow. She doesn't take any nonsense. She just makes all bowlers look really kind of crap. S- silly. Yeah. <laughs> Like, she average. also like if you just focus on her eyes it's just like such fierce determination don't you think like yeah she's just like she's eye on the prize yeah like 100 percent concentrated all the time and mate and even her keeping like it's she's just golden although she did miss she did miss a run out in this game our beth 
um, which oh. could have been which could have been powerful. But the Heat ended up winning, so so no harm, no foul, Hides. Um, yeah, right. Good. Were you? Well, that's nice. She's human then. She is human. She's human. Yeah, we don't want to have a go at any keepers, Hides. Keepers union. Um, I know keepers how you union. Feel. I'm not, I know how you feel about that. Um, yeah, mate. Were you happy to see the Heat win? Did you feel like they deserved it? Do you feel like they're the best team in the league? Oh, that's a good question. Do you know? It wasn't until the back end of the season that, like, strike was really on my radar, obviously, because I got my sixes that were just out in front. Well, sure. sort of. Um, but I think I think they I think they were the better team. They were consistent. I mean, they came off the back of last season. They won that one, so they've carried their success through. So I think, you know, for them to get the double is very deserving. Like, they did well to, like, maintain what they had and then and keep going and keep performing. What about you? What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty happy with it. I think that lineup is just so strong. Um, you know, and that's some performers come through who proved to be really, really awesome later in the season. Like Grace and Laura Harris were both really great pickups, I think. And the, and the bowling attack was was pretty awesome as well. Uh, Georgia Prestwich uh, started to do okay towards the back end as well. So I think I think they did really deserve it. The engine room, though, of Sammy Joe Johnson, Jess Johnson. I was just about to Beth bring Mooney. that up. That was wild. I mean, what hitting, Hides? I know, what unreal. hitting? Like, T20 final hitting, that's what you need. Sammy Joe ended up with a strike rate of 245. Hides. That is crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What a legend. What? Um, and, mate, just quickly, also wanted to let you know that, uh, unfortunately, I ended up smashing you, not to your, not to add to your L column <laughs> oh, no. action heights, but um, in our final round of our WBBL fantasy, I ended up with 713 points and you ended up with 512. Stop um, that. Meaning that I kind of beat you by about 366 no. points. <laughs> so, yeah. No. I'm, I'm, you know, I was going to be a lot more gloating about it until you told me that you were six and zip. Um, for Gordon this year, and that makes me feel really sad, Heidi. I'm, <laughs> cool. I'm sorry. Pity points. Yeah, you get, you, get, you get pity points, I think. Uh, look, for next oh, year, Hides, I think that we need to rework it a little. I think I, that, I agree. That the bowlers... You can't be winning this. We've got to work it in my favour. <laughs> <laughs> That's your, your you primary concern it? is. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I, look, I think that we need to be able to get the bowlers more points. Like... Uh, uh, Dar for me got hardly anything even Delissa Kimmins got hardly anything and the same goes for Tahuhu your girl Tahuhu uh, yeah my girl yeah she didn't get many many points and she yeah. actually didn't bowl badly even though she didn't take wickets you know you've got to be able to work that actually, out somehow. I also think maybe we should have like selection rounds so we can't Ooh. select the same person so we like flip a coin or pick a number and we just go around you then me then you then me or everybody really on the pod and yeah. that way there's absolutely no doubles, so then it's like, you know, stakes are high. Yeah. Pressure is on. Yeah, hides. And it might encourage and us to do a bit wider research and pick some players yes. and otherwise not. Yes, and I will be picking first. What? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, where do you start? What do you do? i got to start thinking about it now. I also think we need to start before the season starts. Um, totally, and, and totally. Yeah. And maybe we need to have like – Halfway through the season, we can like take out players and put in new players and oh, um, and injuries and things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I think you know the yeah. injury to Elise Perry obviously hit both of us pretty hard. 
Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I think that that can make a difference. But listen, Heidi, you know, I think that in the, for its inaugural run out, and given that I won, um, I think that it went <laughs> it went really well. You know, I'm oh, really good. happy yeah, with it. Yeah, that's great. I'm really pleased for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. It's because the Sydney teams didn't pull through this comp. We kind of shot ourselves in the foot by picking a few of them. Yeah, I think so. Heidi. Although what, that's just blind faith. Have you got any thoughts about why that is? What happened to the Sydney teams this year? Man, I don't know, but, like, everyone's so good. They can't be on all the time. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. just, the way the, it's just the way the cookie crumbles, I think. Yeah. And yeah. it was a very bitter-tasting cookie for yours truly, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Hyde, uh, the next thing coming up for women's cricket, as far as I can tell, is the Combank T20 International t- Tri-Series. So that's India, England, and Australia. Um, Ooh, saucy. Saucy times. And then, of course, we've got the T20 World Cup coming up later in the year as well. Uh, can we expect the Southern Stars to just keep on keeping on and dominate, oh, dominate, dominate? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm back in green and gold. I'm actually going to try to get myself to Melbourne for the final in March. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. It's Actually, it's like a national women's cricket holiday. Like, no, none of us, no women's cricket has, we're not playing that weekend. It's like off. Rad. Hides. I know. That's I know. Awesome. So get yourselves there. Very get- affordable. Good day out. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Heidi, you're such a legend, mate. We will ch- chat to you after the next pod. I know you've got to run to training, so I'm going to let you off the hook and get you out of here. Um, oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time, your ability, and all of your words, Heidi. You're an absolute superstar. <laughs> and, um, and congratulations on your the inaugural WBBL Dream Team winningness. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I hope you take my winning spirit and take it out in the field with Gordon on Saturday and just smash uh, those suckers. Who are you playing? I think Sunday. I think we have universities, so bit of a bit of a tricky game to get the W, but. You know, you got to believe. I believe. Universities, get out of here. Hit the bricks. Um, <laughs> Hit the bricks. Have a Go big home. night the night before universities and uh, turn up turn up in trouble. And that way, Heidi Cheadle can get a big W. Uh, we're all ready for your hides. All the best, mate. All Thanks right, for your time. Thank you. Cheers, yeah. mate. Bye. Big thanks to Heidi Cheadle for taking the time to talk to us. Really appreciate it. On her way to training. What an absolute superstar. Okay, let's take a second and wind the clock back to that epic victory that Australia had against Pakistan over uh, in Adelaide, at the Adelaide Oval. It was an incredible game, uh, and here to tell us all about it from a Pakistan perspective is the one and only Adam Hassan. Let's hear what he has to say. Well, that was disappointing. (laughs) Normally, when you lose the first test of a series, you look to bounce back and get a result. But we didn't. We bounced further back and lost by even more than we did in the first test. Firstly, credit goes to David Warner. That was a great knock. There weren't really any positives for us in that first innings. Shaheen Shah Afridi bowled well, but that was it. It was clear that Muhammad Abbas was low on confidence, having been dropped for the first test, and Musa Khan's inexperience showed. Australia declared on 589 for three, Shaheen taking all three wickets. Oh, Adam. Oh, mate. Uh, I'm sorry, pal, like that, you know, as a Pakistan supporter, that must have been really difficult to watch. I mean, they bowled poorly 
to David Warner. It has to be said. There was a lot of stuff that was really short and really wide, or alternatively, really full and really wide. And David Warner is so good through the offside. Um, I did feel for Muhammad Abbas, you know, and, and maybe Adam's right there that that you know he was down on confidence after not being selected in the first test. He was bowling slow and we said that before the test you know that Abbas didn't exactly bowl heat but what he did have was accuracy and that accuracy dissipated um in this in this first test match against the Aussies in in uh Adelaide he got none for a hundred of 29 overs I mean that is a long day in the field and in fact the whole Pakistani bowling card is pretty brutal reading poor old Yassir Shah 32 overs none for 197 uh, Muhammad Musa 20 overs none for 114 you know you get the picture it was really really tough going um, and look like Warner's innings was incredible, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just put that down. 335 not out of 418, 39 fours and a six. I mean, what more can you say about that? That is extraordinary stuff. To carry your bat for that length of time, um, to get that size of score is just huge. Ably supported by Steve Smith Miniature, uh, minus Labashane, 162 off 238, 22 fours. You know, what a what a combination. And, and, and as an Australian, like seeing our opening batsman in our top order actually doing a thing uh, and playing so well was wonderful. But listen, it does have to be mentioned that they weren't overly threatened, that Pakistan's line of bowling either short or incredibly wide outside of stump was not effective. And then to Manus Labashain, they basically just bowled into his ribs at about sort of 130 clicks. And Manus, growing up on the Gabba, uh, he's got a pull shot, folks. And pull he did all his way to a, a, a 162 to cap off his previous 100 the test before. So... Yeah, poor Pakistan. They they were inexperienced. They were um, down on morale. And, you know, when it starts going against you like that in cricket, it's just a painful, painful, painful thing. So uh, I must admit, as much as I tip the hat to Warner as an extraordinary batting, and his incredible concentration and fitness. Apparently, he ran a half marathon in that innings, effectively, with all of his running between wickets, which is amazing in itself. Um, I think Pakistan could have bowled better and could have fielded better too. Um, anyway, before I get too deep in the hole, I'm sure Adam has got some more to say about that. Let's go back to him, folks. Here he is. We ended day two on 96 for six. On day three, Yasir Shah somehow managed to score his maiden test century finally being dismissed for 113 of 213 balls. He became only the fourth batsman in history to score a century against Australia from number eight. Everyone in the ground wanted him to go to three figures, and when he got there, he didn't really know what to do. He'd never hit a first-class 100 before. In test cricket, he'd never even scored a 50. At the other end, Bubba Razan missed out on back-to-back hundreds by three runs, walking off to a standing ovation. He's definitely been the standout performer for us on this tour. He's had a great series, and he's well on the way to becoming one of the best batsmen of this generation. Hold up, hey. Yeah, Adam, you're not wrong there. I mean, <laughs> yes, Yassir Shah. Shah's celebration was the best. I'll put it on the Two For None Facebook page, guys, if you haven't seen it. He does everything. He does everything. He goes to do David Warner's, like, 
Toyota, oh, what a feeling jump in the air. But his legs are so cooked, he gets about <laughs> 35 centimetres off the turf. It's very good. It's really strong content. Um, far out, it's funny. And he's punching the air and he's, you know, kissing the turf. He's doing the whole thing. And, and, you, and you would, folks. You would, you know. You score your first, you made 100 from number eight. You know, never having made a first-class 100, as Adam ably points out there. Thank you, Adam, for that stat. You know, you would go pretty hog-wild, and he did, and credit to him. And just on Bubba Azam, what we saw with Bubba Azam in these two test matches is a player who's a cut above the other batsman in his side. I mean, look down the batting card, guys, if you, if you, get, a, if you get a second. We're talking uh, 19 9 97 to Bubba, 9-10 Dark. 113 to Yassir, Dark, 29-12. That is not a bloke who was ably supported by the rest of his top order. And barring an incredible innings from Yassir there, where he really pulled that one out. And can we also say, was extremely lucky. Uh, Australia should have probably had him out a couple of times. But that being said, it was so wonderful to see him get his 100 that (laughs) everyone was still pretty pleased about it. Um, You know... Back to Baba though. Baba Azam is an incredible player, folks. He really is. And you know, five, ten years, he's going to be right up there with um, Coley, Smith, um, Williamson, et al. You know, he's he's wonderful. And dare I say it, uh, somewhat Caribbean. Have a look at those back foot drives through cover that he played. Really late, right under his eyes, just smacking it where he wanted it to go. Um, I'm all about that Bubba's arm. Friend of the pod? Maybe, folks. Maybe. Uh, let's go back to Adam here. After Bubba was out and Shaheen had got out first ball, Abbas came in and batted with grit and determination. Even as the new ball was taken, he held firm in a ninth wicket partnership of 87 and he even smashed Lyon for a 6 over deep mid-wicket. He finished with 29 of 78 balls. From 96 for 6 the night before, we managed to get to 302 before we were all out. Australia enforced the follow-on, and despite half-centuries from Shah Massoud and Asad Shafiq, we folded for 239. On the whole, this was a very young and inexperienced side, so I would hope the next time we go to Australia, we'd have a pretty similar team with a lot more experience, and we'd be able to put up more of a fight. Looking forward, next Wednesday, Pakistan will be hosting Test Cricket for the first time in over 10 years against a full-strength Sri Lanka lineup, which is great to see, given that there were quite a few high-profile Sri Lanka players who had opted against travelling to Pakistan for the White Ball series in October. Unfortunately, after seven weeks of rehab to recover from a back injury, Hassan Ali now has a rib fracture that is set to rule him out for at least another six weeks, meaning he won't be able to play the two tests against Sri Lanka. This series will be especially key for Azhar Ali, both as a batsman and as a captain, because if he doesn't perform, people will start to question his place in the side. With our former coach Mickey Arthur set to become Sri Lanka's new head coach, they won't be an easy side to beat, but if we play well, we should be able to win the series. And good luck to Pakistan in that series. I'm, I'm really rooting for them. You know, I think it's so important that cricket does go back to Pakistan. Um... You know, obviously the tragedy that happened many years ago uh, with with the terrorist attack against the Sri Lankan cricket team was horrific. Um, but it's great to see that, you know, confidence is being restored in Pakistan's ability to be able to host test cricket. Um, you know, it's really challenging if you're a nation, which, you know, 
has a lot of internal political struggles um, and and the national sport, the national identity is being played in a country thousands of kilometres away. Not only that, it was costing Pakistani cricket $2 million per game in order to host those games in the UAE. And the tickets were so expensive that your average um, Pakistan immigrant living in the UAE wasn't able to afford to go to them. So they're playing these test matches with this nationally loved, um, you know, super passionate cricketing public can't actually get to the game to see it happen. And, you know, you've got to say that sucks. While bankrupting a cricket board, um, more or less, which is going to impact their ability to have resources for players and grassroots stuff and getting people up and through the ranks, which affects how they play as a cricketing side as time goes by. So it's actually really important for cricket as a whole, like as a world game, that cricket does go back to Pakistan. So they can put money and resources into developing cricket and to um, having the resources so when teams do come around that they, you know, that everything's there and, and it's all ready to go and it's of a really high standard. It's on Azhar Ali, um, you know, his captaincy wasn't great in this in this uh, most recent test series and his batting wasn't the way that he wanted either. Um, he got a nine in that second dig and a big old nine in the first, twin nines, um, which is better than twin ducks. But you'd have to say that Pakistan struggling like they were in Australian conditions and up against a full-strength Australian side breathing absolute fire both on the batting and bowling fronts that you'd want a little more from your captain than that. Um, he's obviously a good bat. The bloke averages 42 and a half. So that does pass the Chris Barty, Pat Cullen ruling. However, you need more from the bloke. So I really hope that when cricket comes back, to test cricket especially coming back to Pakistan this year, that maybe being on home soil will be enough to give Azhar a bit of a kick in the backside. Uh, and if it doesn't, I'm worried that if they give the captaincy to Baba too early in the game, i.e. too early in his career, um, having only just made his second test 100, that that could be detrimental. He might thrive under it, who's to say? Um, let's turn our attention now towards the upcoming series against New Zealand as we wrap up that Pakistan series by saying it was just a truly dominant performance from the Aussies. Um, we smashed them. We absolutely smashed them. And hopefully this Pakistan side grows and learns from that and comes back as a whole new cricketing power. Let's turn our attention uh, over to the upcoming New Zealand series, which starts on Thursday. Uh, New Zealand have touched down. They're getting ready to roll. And Gary Steed, their coach, gave a press conference recently. Audio is courtesy here of Cricket Australia. Let's hear what he had to say. I think we just saw on social media Adam Gilchrist out there doing a bit of a pitch report. Have you had a look at it? And do you have any thoughts early on? Oh, I've just had a look right now. Um, yeah, it looks, a, it looks a really good wicket. I, I expect uh, it'll be typical um, in what you expect when you come to Western Australia and it'll have bounce, it'll have good pace and, and that in itself will be a really good challenge for our boys. We, we've come from a couple of uh, pitches against England where it, where it was lower, I guess, and, and not quite as quick. So that's going to be our main challenge that we're facing the next couple of days in the nets is getting used to that extra extra pace and bounce. Do you consider bringing in someone like a, a Lockie Ferguson, if, if that is the case, if you do see a fair bit of pace and bounce in that weekend? Yeah, I'd definitely consider it. I mean, we've got 15 people here that are all in consideration for the, for, for the playing 11. Um, 
and and yeah, we'll we'll work that out after after the next couple of trainings. No, not yet. Trent Trent will have a bowl this afternoon, and we'll see how he goes after that, and then we'll again we'll decide. Um, look, I mean, Trent, Trent, we, we've got to be really careful how we, we manage the next couple of days if, if we do think he's going to start as well. So I can't, I don't think if you stay around and watch today, you'll see him bowling 15 overs or anything out there. But he, he does need to be able to prove that he can get it the intensity that we want. Hold up, Egg. I don't think it can be overstated just how important uh, Trent Bolt is to this new New Zealand side. Obviously an extraordinary bowler, and we've all known that for a really long time, but his ability to swing the ball at pace from left arm on the whacker under lights just just really can't be underestimated. I mean, it's worthwhile thinking back to his first test on Australian soil, where he absolutely tore us apart in Hobart in like overcast conditions, which were as the ball was swinging around a bit, and it was actually Davey Warner that, uh, that played a pretty lone hand there. But... I wanted to bring that up because think about that bloke under lights uh, in Perth with a bit of humidity, with a pink ball in his hand. I mean, he could be absolutely lethal. However, if his side is cooked, they're risking pulling a Jimmy Anderson at the start of the Ashes, you know, having bowl six, seven, eight overs, and then all of a sudden he, he does his side again or aggravates an injury and has to go off, and then they're a bowl of short. So, um a tricky one there. Let's go back to Gary. Gary, what's the biggest challenge for you guys coming over here? Is it as simple as the pace and bounce, or are there other factors you have to adjust to as well? To Perth in particular? Yeah. Well, Perth and Australia in general, for you guys, you're, it's been tough for you over here historically. Oh, I think the biggest challenge for us is, is coming over here and facing Australia. I mean, they, they have a record that is uh, pretty formidable, especially at, at home, and... They're obviously a quality team and, and you don't get a record like that by um, not playing very, very well and knowing your conditions. And um, coming here to Perth, I think, is probably the most extreme that, that we will face. Um, perhaps if it was Melbourne or Sydney, it's maybe a little bit more like home. So good on them for bring, bringing us over here first. You must still have a lot of faith in your top six. They've come off a pretty prolific series against England. Their record over the last three or four years is strong. I know you weren't in charge of the team four years ago, but do you feel it's a better team now than it was four years ago? Um, I think we've been a really settled team for a, for a period of time, and I think that's helped uh, guys understand their roles and understand what we're, what, how the, well, the way that we want to play. And um, if, 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 if we have a strength, I think that's what it's been, is that consistency, I guess, of selection and, and guys knowing how the roles that we want them to play. Gary, do you, do you think that it's a bit of talk this morning about whether New Zealand fly under the radar? Do you think they do a bit as a team? Do you think you fly under the radar? Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, we just fly over here like all other teams do and, and prepare. So um, uh, whether we fly under the pra uh, radar is perhaps what other people to think about. I mean, we just go about our business and try and prepare the best we can and, and put up a fight out there. And some days we're good enough, and other days we're not. And, and that's that's I guess sport and cricket at times, but. I know for sure that we'll be out there giving our best and trying our hardest, and, and that's one thing the guys do every day. Hold up there, Gary. Um, they do do that every day, and they've just come off a really interesting test series against the Poms, uh, which was a, a thriller at points. Um, but I wanted to bring up a bloke, well, just coming off the back of my previous comments about our mate um, Trent Bolt, uh, Neil Wagner. 
the wag. Neil, you know, he's one of those very aggressive South African imports, Neil. Um, but he's taken five wicket hauls in each match in that two-test series against England um, and really could uh, be be a pretty big factor here. Bowls a lot of short stuff. He's a very aggressive character. Gets up in people's faces a little bit, our mate Neil. So, you know, that's that's pretty, that's pretty rock and roll. I'm just saying, he got as high as number three in the world for test-ranked bowlers. And in 2019, he's got 29 wickets from four matches and an average of 16. So I think what I'm trying to say here is that the Kiwis bowling is looking pretty strong. I would also add in that they're batting. They obviously have steady the shop, Kane Williamson. Um, but Ross Taylor, last time he was here, made an absolute fortune of runs. He did get hit in the arm. Um getting some throwdowns done. So uh, there's a slight injury cloud around him. Apparently, he didn't go for scans, so he probably will be all right and most likely will be form up. But if he does go out, that could put a big hole in the batting. Anyway, that's enough about all of that. Let's hear a bit more from Gary and see what he's got to say for himself. On that note, do you, do you, is this the best New Zealand scene that's come to Australia perhaps in 30, 35 years since maybe you know guys like Richard Hadley were around? Uh, well, there's only been a couple of tours since then, and, and I mean, again, it's very, very hard to compare decades to decades and, and what happens, but um, look, we're, we've played some pretty good cricket the last few years, and, and that's encouraging, and I think we will always take confidence from that. Um, but as I said earlier, this is a different, uh, I think, a different challenge than what we've had for, for, a, for a while. We've had a lot of success in our, in our home um, country, and we, we play well there generally. Um, but Australia also came and beat us there a, a few years ago, so um, they're obviously a quality team. Um, Gary, a lot of teams come to Perth and they see the conditions and they drop the spinner and play like an all-pace attack. But do you think Mitchell Santner is at a stage in his career where, just purely on his bowling, he can play in all conditions? He's, has he matured to that level? Well, I think Mitchell can play in, in all conditions. and. I think we've got Todd Astle there as a leg spinner as well, who also provides, a, a, I guess, a different point of view. So certainly, I mean, some teams do do that. I mean, Australia are a wee bit unique, I think, in the way they play. They often have their three pace bowlers and, and Nathan Lyon. And Lyon, again, has got 300 test wickets and plus, and, and so not many, not many spin bowlers who are current. Hold up, Gary. Yeah, this is a a point where Australia really does have a distinct advantage over the Kiwis. I mean, um, on a lot of facets, the teams are pretty evenly matched. We mentioned before both Neil Wagner is in great form, Tim South is a great bowler, Trent Bolt's a great bowler, Lockie Ferguson obviously coming off the bench and, and bowling sheer heat, BJ Watling um, and Mitchell Satner the other week took their partnership past a 200. Um, Satner scored himself a test 100, so, you know, handy, handy player. But... He is no Nathan Lyon, folks, um, and I think that's really worth mentioning. Um, you know, in the last test, he got one three for 53, as well as his 126, which is pretty awesome down over at Mount Manganui, um, and he got a one for in the other game, but we're talking about a guy who averages 39 with the ball, Um you know, he's got 38 wickets at 39, isn't exactly setting the world on fire as a test spinner. Bowling left arm orthodox is tricky. Um, no one's denying that. But yeah, I think that in comparison to Nathan Lyon, um, although he's a much better bat, our, our Mitchell Satner, he probably doesn't stack up in the same class, you know. 
Um, and I think that's just worth having in the backs of the brains. If he gets it wrong, bowling at the Wacker, or sorry, bowling at New Optus Stadium, if that's as hard or as fast or even half as hard and fast as the Wacker is, he could really go the distance here. I mean, uh, fans of the pod might remember Mark Craig, one of my favourite all-time cricketers, um, because of his sheer hot pie delivery service. Mark Craig, uh, former Kiwi off-spinner, is one of the biggest pie merchants the game's ever seen. Um, you know, every time he turned up in Australia, he'd bring his pie cart, he'd have it plugged into the wall, uh, warmed up. We're talking steak and kidney, um, beef beef and gravy or all your favorite pie steak and you know peppercorn delightful peppercorn maybe some uh you know stewart island lamb uh all there all on sale all all fresh and hot and ready to go so you wouldn't want to take the mark craig approach um if you were a a new spinner who averaged just under 40 uh coming coming over to the western australia that could be a great way to find yourself um with a bit of a morale hit Especially given the form the Australian bats are in, thanks to some pretty lackluster bowling from the Pakistan cricket side. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let's go back and hear some more from Gary Steed. Any playing around the world have that many and, and have that experience in these conditions? And just about your batsmen, um, in the last couple of years, they started making like big hundreds. Has that been like the biggest turnaround you've seen in uh, New Zealand's test batting? Um, oh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think every time the, the batsmen go out there, they're trying to score as many runs as they can for the team. I, I think one of the things that, that our guys have done well the last few years is, uh, is consolidate, as you say, on their starts and, and be able to hopefully turn hundreds into double hundreds. And we've had a little bit of success in that the last few years, which has been great. Um, so yeah, long may it continue. <laughs> Gary, just, just kind of one more on how the team is perceived. Do you think you guys have gained enough kudos for going to number two in the world? You're only behind India now. If that was a, a few other teams, you can imagine them really getting pumped up. Do you think New Zealand have, have gained that sort of standing that they deserve? Uh, I think after the summer, you'll, you'll probably know a lot more. Um, I think when you look at the program that we have, we play England in two tests, Australia in three, and then India in two you'd argue that they, they are up there with the best teams in the world right now. So I think when we get to the end of the summer, it's probably an easier time for me to, to answer that question. Yeah, you're training in Optus all week. Um, we heard Australia talk this morning about using dusk sessions to get used to the big ball. Is that something you guys are doing as well? Yeah, we trained under lights uh, yesterday and we'll do that again tomorrow. Um, yeah, I think we've got to be careful that we don't overstate the, the pink ball though as well. Um, we start an hour earlier than most pink ball tests start as well, so it's an hour less in darkness at the end of the day. So I think perhaps a, a bigger factor may be the heat that we're going to face over the next four or five days as well and, and just making sure that we're aware of that. I mean, we've played in many different conditions before, so it's not a surprise to people, but um, yeah, I, we, we certainly don't want to overstate the, the, the pink ball and what it might do at night as well. Yeah, you're not wrong there, Gary. Mate, it is going to be warm, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be more than warm. It's going to be an absolute stinker. The mercury is set, set to top 40 degrees C. It is going to be so hot, hooly dooly. Um, so if anything, it's good that they're playing predominantly at night and dusk because they were playing during the middle of the day, you'd be in struggle street there. 
So yeah, I think that's going to have a, a really big effect, um, especially coming from New Zealand, where it is, as we all know, absolutely freezing 40%, 50 90% of the time. Um, big change to come to Perth. And also the pitch, you know, if the pitch at Optus does what the pitch at the Wacker used to do and split open with all those cracks and the heat after it's been baking in the sun all day, that could, that could have a big effect. Um, and how the pink ball reacts under lights there with all those additional conditions is pretty pretty difficult to say that being said new zealand you know like i say good side ross taylor Lockie ferguson um kane williamson colin de grandholm the big man it has lots to count on there if they can survive the heat and keep themselves together they're a really good chance i've got to say um all right let's get back to it uh, gary you mentioned those pictures you had for the england test those sort of benign tracks that you seem to be increasingly getting at home almost work to your disadvantage when you go away when you suddenly find yourselves on livelier or different sort of playing surfaces? I think wherever you come to from around the world, you come to uh, Perth and, and you'll probably think it's a bit lively from wherever you've played. I mean, even probably coming from the eastern coast of Australia as well. Um, look, I think one of the good things that happened in the first test at Mount Maunganui is we saw plating in the wicket and, and we saw it get quite up and down. And I think that that was encouraging for us. Whilst it might not have had the same bounce, what it did have is the variability of bounce that we that we have to get used to as well. So in some ways, I still see positives coming from, from that test match in particular with the up and downness that we faced. There's some uh, pretty tragic news coming out of New Zealand. How are the players holding up after hearing that? And are you guys planning to do anything special to pay tribute to that? Um, look, I, I mean, it's... It's not my place to organise that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there will be uh, something that's done. It, it sounds like there's sort of Kiwi and, and Australian people that may be affected in this. So from our team's point of view, I mean, it, it sort of puts things back into perspective that we it is a game and it's all we're playing is a game. And when, when you hear about lives lost and that and, and something tragic like that, it's, uh, yeah, it's devastating to hear. It's terrible to hear and, and you don't wish that upon anyone. Last one. Just on, just on Lockie Ferguson, I know obviously it probably depends on Trent's fitness and a few other things, but given what you've seen of him in the one-day arena and you know his pace, it, you're confident he's ready for Test cricket. And do you think a deck like this at Optus Stadium would, would in fact suit him if he was to debut? Uh, I think most wickets will suit Lockie. I mean, he's certainly got pace and we're, we're acutely aware of that. And Lockie's got a very good red ball uh, record as well. I mean, the hard thing for us has been uh, Harry fits into the, the team as well when we've had some success with guys who have been consistently there. Um, do I think the pace will suit him? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, no doubt about it. People want to see the ball flying around and, and, again, look at Australia's attack and they're sort of built around players like Stark and Cummins and, and Hazelwood as well. So um, if Lockie gets a go out there, I think it'll be exciting and, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to see if that is the case. Thank you very much to Cricket Australia, um, who's provided that audio of Gary Steed uh, talking uh, before the first test in Perth. Look, folks, I've got to say, you know, you tune into this podcast to hear my miscellaneous nonsense about cricket, and, and here it is. New Zealand are a good side. They're a really strong side. They're number two in the world currently. But you'd have to say that in Australian conditions, it'd be very unlikely for them to be able to take us. They've got some great players. Um, nobody's denying, denying that. Uh, Henry Nichols has been in great form. Um, Ross Taylor, as I mentioned. Uh, Wagner, Lockie Ferguson, Kane Williamson. Even apparently that Todd Astle bloke balls a couple of leggies and is, is pretty solid. 
But you'd have to say that under lights facing Mitchell Stark and, and given the form that Australia are in, it's going to be very difficult for the Kiwis to get a win here. Um, starting in Perth is a pretty tough place to start as well. I know that the Optus Stadium's a drop-in and it's going to be different to playing at the Wacker and yada, 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 but... You know, I have seen teams being blown away in in a, in WA. What I what I really hope is that this pitch isn't a dead road. Um, you know, I hope that we're actually able to see a result here. That 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 the the addition of the pink ball usually means that you know the ball hoops around and it's difficult to play, especially under lights at pace. And I and I hope that we get a great contest between bat and ball. And look, if I'm wrong um, and the Kiwis end up absolutely smoking us, then that's actually really great for cricket. You know, I'll probably be upset about it. You know what I'm like. But it'll be really great for cricket if that was to, if we were to go into, into the East Coast tests with being one all. Um, I think it's going to be a great thing to watch. I think it's going to be an excellent spectacle at the very least. So that's something to be really excited about. Um, test starts tomorrow, uh, 1 p.m. Perth time. And let's all tune in, folks, and see if we can't see this thing absolutely kick off. Now, I'm going to turn our attention to something slightly different. Um, This is not cricket-related at all, but it's really pressing on my mind, and I I can't not talk about it, especially given its connection to Two for None. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, Alex Spinks isn't able to do an episode with us because he is currently up near his family property on the Hawkesbury, um, literally fighting fires. Now, if you don't know, there's these huge uncontrollable blazes burning all around Sydney and parts of Queensland at the moment. Um, they are massive. One of them has been described as a mega fire. It is the size of the country Denmark. Um, truly gigantic. There isn't enough water to put them out. And you're probably thinking, well, that sounds okay. I mean, it sounds, doesn't sound okay. It sounds terrible, but at least there are going to be firefighters out there doing their thing, um, fighting these fires, and they're probably ably supported by government. The people who are fighting these fires are people like Alex Spinks. They are people from the country. They are volunteers. They are part of the Rural Fire Service, the RFS, um, and they really need our help. Frankly, the RFS is the biggest volunteer firefighting agency in the world. Um, There are 77,000 volunteers and all of those volunteers are currently in action. Sydney is literally ringed by fires and they are getting closer. The city is so covered in smoke that we're now having to walk around outside with masks on. It is 11 times the hazardous level in Sydney, which is, you know, hundreds of kilometers away from where the fires are burning. To give you an idea of how catastrophic this situation is, I'm just going to play you two minutes of um, a Nine News video um, that gives you a bit of description of what we're looking at. Um, The link for the full video is in the description, and I highly recommend you watch it. Um, But here's the audio. Just, Just take a listen to this. As we go to air tonight, fire crews are scrambling to contain six bushfires now burning at emergency level across our state. Two fire fronts are in Sydney, one in our southwest and one on our northwestern outskirts. This is a live shot from our Nine News helicopter of that huge fire burning near Colo Heights. But the worst is at Borley Point on the south coast, where homes have been lost and firefighters hurt. Nine's Eddie Meyer begins our coverage. 
It's a frightening but all too familiar scene. Feel the heat. Fire crews driving headlong into a blazing tunnel. Bawley Point is prime holiday territory on the south coast, halfway between Ulladulla and Batemans Bay. Orange is not its usual colour. Homes have been lost here. How many is still unclear? This fire is at emergency warning level, out of control and moving fast, right on the edge of town. With early warnings this morning that the afternoon would be bad, residents tried to prepare for the worst. I hope it'll still be here, yes. I am worried, yes. A lot of precious things in there. And we're trying to, going to try and protect our house again. Wet towel, bucket, yep. whatever yep. you can get your hands on. Yeah, yeah. Just little, just little spot fires, you know, because they could turn into big ones. A strong southerly in the past hour is now pushing that fire north, away from Bawley Point towards the holiday community at Lake Tabauri. On the outskirts of Sydney, three remote area firefighters suffered minor burns to their neck and hands. They'd been working on the Green Wattle Creek fire 30 minutes west of Camden. They were winched out of the fire by a National Parks helicopter and transported to hospital in stable condition. That fire has crossed Lake Burragarang and is spreading east towards Natai and Oakdale where residents have been advised to seek shelter as the fire approaches. Those in the Hawkesbury and southwest of Warragamba Dam have been advised to evacuate if they aren't staying to defend their homes. Eddie Meyer, Nine News. So you get the idea. We're talking about gigantic fires that are uncontrollable being fought by volunteers. And our government, in the face of this, um, has come out and said that firefighters want to be there and they're not going to throw any additional support at these fire crews. Um, Spinksy was telling me that a lot of the fire crews are using hand-me-down equipment and they're having to fundraise for supplies via crowdfunding um, in between extended shifts. The worst news is that we've only just started the normal fire season. Australia's just coming into summertime. And ladies and gentlemen, this is going to get worse. So what I'm asking you is, if you can, if you have the ability, um, and if you can help out, the easy way to do that is to donate to the RFS, donate to the Rural Fire Service. There's a link for how to do that in the episode description. Please, guys, if you can, take a minute and do so. I donated myself today. You will literally be helping people like Spinksy, um, who we know and love on this show, uh, to do his volunteer best to fight these fires. And I, I, I can't, I, you know, it is truly terrible right now, and it's only going to get worse. So if you can, please um, take a second, hit that link, and sling some money their way. I'm sorry to, to bring down the mood of what's usually a really fun, upbeat show, and I know you don't usually come here for your, um, I don't know, fire news, but it's really, it's been really on my mind, and I, I, I can't think about anything else. Um, everything else seems a bit unimportant somehow right now. You know what I mean? So if you can, Please donate to the RFS. Um, please give to your local brigade. Let's support our our volunteers, our men and women out there on the front lines as, as much as we can. Um, and if you can donate, 
to clothes, there's there's organisations that are taking um, old clothes to be able to uh, treat wildlife who've been injured by these fires. The koala is now officially endangered. It may even be extinct in the wild thanks to these fires. Um, there's all this terrible footage of koalas running across really hot roads and, you know, wallabies and kangaroos and all these other great Australian animals are, are being really put in danger by these gigantic fires so if you can give to a charity if you can um, volunteer your time if you can encourage others to do so on social media that is all really useful stuff folks and as much as we love to gather around the cricket and um, watch a few balls fly past a few batsmen's noses and have a bit of a laugh if we can do that and also support these incredible volunteers that'd be awesome Okay, that's enough of my preaching to you. I'll stop now. Um, thank you for being a fan of Two for None. Thank you for supporting us with your listening time. We really, really appreciate it. Um, we'll be back after the next test. Uh, Michael Wood should be in the studio to give us a bit of a rundown from a Kiwi perspective. We'll have more news from Heidi Cheadle. Um, we'll hopefully hear from Chris Barty or Spinksy as well. And yeah, it'll be it'll be a great time. So thank you so much for your time and energy, ladies and gentlemen. And this time I'm going to say, go those fireys, you legends. Uh, support your local RFS, ladies and gentlemen. Sling some cash their way. And um, let's, let's see if we can't all band together to help stop this fire problem. Thank you so much for your time, ladies and gentlemen. All the best. Go those Aussies.